0: Hey everybody, I'm Zoe. And I'm Chandi. And this is another episode of Bound by the Cloak. So, (laughs) back during season one, me and Chandi were having um, a conversation, and I had mentioned the movie Green Book, and then I had mentioned the term Sundown Towns, and she had no idea what I was talking about.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't. I was like, what? Sundown Towns?
0: Which, I mean, I I guess... I realize now that probably a lot of people don't know (laughs) what sundown towns are. Um, Don't worry. We're not going to define it just yet. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But, um, you know, and talking about Green Book, Chandi, did you, I'm trying to remember now, did you even see that movie? You saw it, right?
1: Yeah, I saw it. um, uh, When I I think when it first came out, actually. Yeah.
0: Okay. Because I didn't see the movie Green Book, I did not see it, I didn't want to see it right movies like green book movies like the help i don't really care for those but what was your interpretation of the movie green book what did you get out of it so
1: when i first watched it i'm i'm trying to think i thought it was i mean i thought it was a little bit more romanticized than it should have been because you're talking about this white Uh, driver who drives this um black musician around and this white driver italian-american he's pretty racist and then at the end of the story they become really good friends and i gotta be honest that moment the film in the film it was done well um like the acting um, and you could like feel the emotion. But I think the journey and how you got there was, um, and it's based on a true story. So
0: that I don't know. It, i I'm conflicted. So, this is <laughs> yeah. thing right. I haven't seen it, but the reason that I had no interest in seeing it was because, okay, it's called Green Book, right? Mhm. And I guess, you know, in terms of being Black American, we should, I mean, all Black Americans, I don't want to say all Black Americans, a large number of Black Americans should know what a green book is.
1: What is a green
0: book? But basically, it was a book uh, put together, I don't remember his name. It's literally, you know, it tells you, it kind of, like so. basically a guy went and traveled around and he would, um based on his his experiences wherever he traveled, say, you know, avoid this place, right? Because, you know, racism. Go to this place, stay here because it's, you know, more accepting. You know, you can kind of, like, how to navigate while traveling in America. Probably mainly the South, right? But But still, like, navigating where, you know, like, navigating in safe spaces across America.
1: As a Black person.
0: As a black person, and you know, at the time, that was very beneficial because some people did not know <laughs> where to go. Right, like if you're not from a certain place, y- you know, having a guide to tell you that okay, maybe this hotel is safe and this one's not. Right, maybe this place you might want to leave before dark. Definition of a sundown town. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are important to know, and a lot of people though aren't aware of the existence of right of the green book and and a lot of people in america even now don't have to worry about these things necessarily um they don't think about it not that they don't have to worry they don't think about it that's really what it is is that they don't think about it and i think that the idea of a green book it can go beyond just you know black americans or you know black people in america it can you know translate to women traveling solo traveling other minorities traveling it really you know the idea of knowing about a place before you go I think is essential for travel but that's probably just because that's been my experience and what I've been taught about traveling
1: yeah and also back in the day you know when you didn't have as much access to information to research about these towns or cities you kind of rely on word of mouth, right? of other people who've yeah. been there and have had good or bad experiences, but now it's it's just so different. They have websites, they have blogs. It, you can get as much information from a small town as you can get from a large city in the United States.
0: Yeah. And 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 the thing is some of these places where It might be safe for some people to go, but not for others are places that you may not even think about. They may be the town next door like you because it's all about perception and and your own personal experience and and the experiences of people that you surround yourself with. Right. So, you know, me and my family traveling, we didn't travel constantly. Right. And we didn't travel all that far. But. You know, we were aware of certain places to go, even in New Jersey, being aware of certain places. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Chandi, your experience might be different. Well, slightly,
1: yeah. Um, But, you know, I have it as a immigrant. Um, You know, I have the experience of where immigrants can go and travel safely or where they can't go. And travel safely because of how they look or even just how they sound. Um, So I remember, you know, growing up, traveling, road trips. We would talk about, you know, where we can go. And one thing I was worried about is, you know, how my parents' Indian accents would be taken in like a small town in Pennsylvania or something. Um, So even if we were just driving by or just getting gas. Um, and you know, when you grow up, you think about it, okay, was it just a small town atmosphere, or was it because we sounded different? I, I think it's a mix of both, but you know, whoever says that sundown towns don't exist, they're wrong. Um, yeah, you know, really racism, do. yeah, racism is alive and well in many different aspects of society, and one of them is you know, in sundown towns.
0: So in Googling sundown towns, which we were initially interested in, we came across a BuzzFeed article that featured Sojourner White. Sojourner White travels the world and shares
1: her experiences from the lens of a young Black woman from the United States. And she also has
0: a blog called Sojourneys.com. Even though she's constantly on the go, she found some time to have a great discussion with us about sundown towns and what's so different about traveling solo, as a woman, and as a minority? Hey, Sojourner. Um, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Really great to talk to you. Can you introduce yourself? So hi, um, I'm
2: Sojourner White. Um, I'm a traveling remote social worker for my nine to five, and then I do digital storytelling. So a mix of travel writing, travel influencing, travel blogging, which surprisingly are three different things according to people who do it. Uh, But outside of that, obviously I do love to travel. Um, Obviously it started out as traveling just for fun, like anybody else, but the more I did it, the more I shared it, the more people asked me questions. And so now I do a little bit of everything. Um, you can find me like on TikTok, Instagram. Pretty much my digital footprint is everywhere. So I'm not hiding at this point, but I do love to travel. Talking about everything from solo traveling to Black travel. I also talk a lot about hostels as well. I'm a really big on staying in hostels too. So I talk about a little bit of travel kind of from a little bit of everywhere, depending on what I feel like doing and talking about at that point.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. You know, I had mentioned to Chandi, I, I had mentioned something about sundown towns and she didn't know what they were. And that's how we initially found you from with the BuzzFeed article. What is your inspiration for traveling across the U.S. and, and even outside the U.S. abroad?
2: I started traveling at a pretty young age. I was born and raised in Milwaukee, but my mom and my dad are actually not from the city. My mom is from Pittsburgh. My dad is from St. Louis. And my stepdad's people are from, well, he was born in Milwaukee, but came here by way of Louisiana, you know, the Great Migration and everything. So, we were always on the road as I was like a kid in my childhood. So Thanksgiving, we were going to Pittsburgh or St. Louis. Christmas, we normally stayed around here. But in the summer, we would always go to different places. I had family in Michigan, in like Pennsylvania, in St. Louis, Louisiana. My family also was really big on taking family vacations, So I went to the Grand Canyon one year and I went to summer camp. So I was always on the move as a kid. So I feel like that really was like my training into the traveling that I do now, because I was used to driving from like Milwaukee to Louisiana, like Bastrop or even New Orleans is like 24 hours. Like it's 18 to 24 hours, depending upon traffic, how often you stop. So I was used to being in the car with me and my brothers and just used to being on the road. So then when it came time to go abroad, I had been studying Spanish since I was in middle school and I majored in Spanish for undergrad, I almost got a D in the Spanish class. I'm like, yeah, this is not working for me anymore either. I'm gonna go and like learn the language for real. Cause I do not want to read any more like 19th century literature. Like, I need something else. So I end up going abroad, and that was my first time living in the U.S. I was 20. That was spring 2015. I was gone for a semester and fell in love with the international travel aspect I had never really experienced before then and just kept going and going and have expanded and going on trips around the U.S. by myself. I spent four months earlier this year hopping around a bunch of U.S. cities. Before then, I also went back to Spain for a year to teach English as a Fulbright fellow. And then I also spent a summer interning in Berlin when I was in grad school. So it just kind of went from Vacationing to longer trips and longer, and then just extended. I do whatever I want at this point, and then obviously with my name Sojourner being named after Sojourner Truth, that was a big part of my travel identity is still a big part of my travel identity that I didn't fully process, obviously, until I was older. Understanding what the name a sojourner is, like a temporary stay, all of that kind of came with the territory. So my parents definitely named me well. And you named your website well,
1: too. I mean, sojourneys.com. I mean, that's just
2: Yeah, it was like, Thank you. It was like, what can I call my little study abroad blog that I thought I was going to have for like a semester in 2015? And it just made sense. Like, oh, let's just call it this. And so now it's like any point in my life, I can pivot and it'll still be a sojourney. So it's cool.
0: Thank you. So yeah, it started out with your study abroad, but then it, it sort of expanded the website, right? Like you, you keep writing.
2: It was just like, hi, I'm in Europe for a semester kind of thing. And then I think I blogged maybe like three times in <laughs> five months. Because when you get over there, like, oh, it's cool to have a blog. But also I want to be out like experiencing right. things. In 2015, like Instagram wasn't what it is now. TikTok didn't okay. exist. Like it wasn't yeah. the same. Like you do like TikTok vlogs and you like it, it wasn't like that. Like you may share some photos and put tips in a caption, but it wasn't the empire of Instagram influencing. So I didn't feel obligated to travel blog or anything like that but when I returned home from Fulbright I said well let me just go ahead and buy my domain and see what happens and so people kept asking me for tips on like what to do where to go I'm like well, let me just put on a website and let me just do this and let me just you know, on all my social media to travel So I feel like I'm gonna keep doing it for a while and it just kind of grew naturally
0: unintentionally and I really like it that's really awesome yeah you said that you, you studied in Spain and then you started teaching in Spain. How was that experience of traveling to Spain, studying there, living there, and, and was it different? Did you see, you know, like when you're traveling, just traveling as like a, someone who's not going to live there versus someone who's going to stay a while. Is there a difference in how you see Spain and travel, not just Spain, but any place, right, leaving the country? me and Spain
2: have a very, I wouldn't say a love-hate relationship,
0: but a love-questionable
2: relationship sometimes <laughs> for that very reason. So I went from no international travel, and I think people don't understand the kind of jump that is to go from no international travel, not even like a trip to Mexico, which I feel like was really common for people right. in the U.S. of a certain maybe class background going to the Caribbean or Mexico yeah. was like people's first introduction, but I had nothing. I was just traveling around the U.S., so I went that I went from there to Europe. Like there was no in between, there was no transition. So it was like one minute I was studying in Peoria, Illinois, which is where I lived to go to school for undergrad, and then next thing you know, I was eating tapas and visiting the Alhambra in Granada, Spain. Like there was no, there was no transition. And so for me, I fell in love with it. Obviously, like most people do when they go to Europe for the first time. You put on those rose colored glasses and everything yeah. is perfect. Oh my God, I could live here. And you, you do, you kind of do for five months. Like you really do get into the routine and I lived with a host family, but her is Bernarda. And so she was really cool. So I I had a great experience for studying abroad and I said, well, I really want to go back. Like, I want to go do more of it. But the thing about being somewhere as a tourist versus living there is, yeah, you get to learn More about a place, and the more you learn about a place, the more you find out things you may not like. And I feel like I got a piece of that when I learned about the history of the Moors in southern Spain and like Morocco and southern Spain, and this really weird relationship that I was experiencing. Like Spaniards telling me, Oh, be careful in Morocco. Then I go to Morocco, I'm like, Y'all got the same art, you know? The Alhambra (laughs) is a Moorish castle, like, this is all the same, similar art. So it was the more you learn about a place the more like those rose-colored glasses come off. And that definitely happened with me in Spain. Not saying I hate Spain, please. No, if, not. if I not. ever get the funds, I would love to have a house in Southern Spain because it is one of my favorite parts of Europe. But I think going and teaching abroad in Northern Spain which I was in Longronio, which is in the region of La Rioja. It's below like Bilbao. So like near Pais Basco, Basque Country, hour and a half south of Bilbao. Like it's not a touristy place and being there and that having been my immersive experience in a non-touristy city was very different. You know, I was the first Black teacher a lot of my students had. I was interacting with Spaniards way more than I was, you know, as a study abroad student, because then you're like, you're partying. So that's really how you interact with Spaniards outside of like the language school, like the, mentor they set up with us and like people we met randomly but every single day as an adult going to the school teaching full-time you know meeting students I had like one black kid who loved me who everyone thought was my child because we we're both black like you know it was all these things you were learning about race especially for me as a black woman like learning about race from a different perspective cuz I had had some like what part of Africa are you from questions in southern Spain but it was definitely more prevalent when I went to northern Spain because it is a less touristy area and there was just like a other there's like a lot going on in northern Spain that I feel like is very different from southern Spain but also there are great things like the wine let me tell you winery hopping on the weekends was my favorite thing to do so it's like a push pull it's like you learn all these great things and then you also experience the discrimination being like a Black person who speaks English and how I was treated better than Black people from the continent directly, particularly like West Africa or East Africa. And all those things became more apparent the longer I stayed in Europe and traveled around not only Spain, across the continent. So it was just the more you learn the more you learn, right? Like, it's kind of like a question mark. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to know all these things? Because it'll change your perspective of how you view a place for sure.
0: So how long did you spend in Europe in total? Like what other places have you been to?
2: Yeah. So I stayed for five months in Southern Spain when I studied abroad. I went back for essentially a year when I went to teach. And then after that, ironically, I did not plan on going to Europe or living there three times. This was purely just where school life career sent me. And then when I enrolled in my international social work grad program in St. Louis, My interests aligned with an organization and a professor who did work in Berlin. So then I ended up going to a different European country, a humongous international city that Berlin is, which is very different from Longronio and Granada. And I was there for three months as well. So I guess almost two years, non-consecutively, like different stints throughout and then traveling, obviously, throughout. I've been to Greece, Belgium, the Netherlands, London, Portugal, Italy, all the traveling I could. Spent like Christmas in Prague one year when I was teaching, and then went to Budapest. So I tried to do as much as I could while I was over there as well.
1: I think your experience is really unique, Sojourner, because yes, you went as a study abroad student, but you also taught local people. So that must have been kind of, you know, that must have been an eye opening experience, which you said it was, especially because you were the only um, Black teacher that your students have ever had. I'm curious as to what was your experience in the other countries that you moved around? Did you have negative experiences traveling as a young Black woman, solo young Black woman?
2: For me, so thankfully, knock on wood, I have not had any serious harm come to me while I'm traveling. I think people, which is a whole other layer because, but I'm like a, like I'm a black person, but I have brown skin, right? And I feel like if I was a black person with dark skin, maybe this experience will be different, you know, especially with people who are black with lighter skin, like colorism is a thing even outside of the U.S., even though folks act like it's not and how that impacts how you travel, right? So I think for me, I personally didn't have like severe experience outside of the invasive questioning, which safe is relative how how you like what you describe as violence to yourself is relative. And so I think those questions after a while do feel pretty violent and invasive because it's like I'm sick of it trying to explain to y'all that I am from the U.S. I am not Beyonce. I am not Rihanna. I am not from Africa directly. Like Africa's a continent. I cannot tell you what tribe I'm from or any of those things like that. I think that was more of my experience. It wasn't like people were outright calling me the n-word, right? It wasn't that kind of in-your-face racism. I think a lot of Black people in the U.S. are unfortunately accustomed to experiencing or feeling. It was more of like, oh, you're not, but you speak English. But like what's going on here? You're black. And my people, even black folks, will look at me like, uh, you black, but we know you now are black. So what's going on? So it was it was this wild, it was wild thing of like I really understood my nationality privilege in a lot of ways and like the privilege of speaking English, which Also knowing it's not technically supposed to be my native language, but due to slavery, it's like the language that I speak. So like, also, it's a complicated thing to know, like, you have this privilege because my ancestors were brought over forcefully to the US. So now when I go back and travel to these different countries, I have this privilege of speaking English, which then people use against me as a way to say, oh, you're not that kind of immigrant. It's a very complex experience trying to process in your 20s when none of yes. my study abroad or pre-departure orientations <laughs> prepared me for they're like pack a month's worth of underwear but like no one <laughs> talked about yeah what it would be like to be a black person traveling in Europe and that's really because a lot of my travel experiences have been in Europe like my long-term experiences so I can't speak for what it's like to be black American like Asia per se because I've never been you yeah. know so I think it probably is a bit more nuanced when you talk to people, other Black folks or other Black Americans who have been to places outside of Europe. But for me, it was just the questions that really came up. Like, I was, that was like that the recurring theme. No matter if I was in Spain, I remember being with my friend, Ethiopian, and she had never heard someone ask me what part of Africa I was from. But for her, she was Ethiopian but grew up in Atlanta. She could answer the question, right? But I was sitting next to her and she was more shook than I was by that point because I had been used to people asking this question. But for her, she's like, I just never thought, I never realize that you wouldn't be able to answer for real really? and how that and how that could feel yeah because for her as a black person yeah. like who knows where they come from like she can say oh no I'm born in the U.S. or I grew up in the U.S. but I'm from Ethiopia I can't tell y'all what yeah. country I'm from you know and people just did not seem to get that when I was traveling I just didn't like like what call me Beyonce and stuff like y'all She's from Houston. Like, do y'all not understand the connection between, like, Black celebrities and, like, our history? So it was just the, the questions were definitely a lot. Yeah. And the questions were what I had to, like, train myself to. Like, okay, are you about to explain to this person in Spanish the history of slavery in the U.S.? Are you about to go into what the terminology is and the languages? Because on the flip side, they're like, oh, you're bringing your American perspective over here as if U.S. history and European history aren't intertwined, like as if they're two separate histories. And it's like, y'all know where white folks in the U.S. come from, right? Like, I just, I just need to know that we're all on the same level of understanding history, because it seems like there's been
0: a disconnect. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's there's definitely a disconnect about what they know about American history. Yeah. It's odd to me that they would not realize that there are Black people in America that Obviously we would speak English and we don't.
2: Yeah. That's and that's strange. what perplexed me. Like, is this a willful ignorance or is this like an actual <laughs> like I just don't I like it took a while for me to figure out people who were genuinely interested in learning about like right. black culture, like like my students, right? They were like, profe, like, we don't see your hair in our, like, books. Like, we don't see you in our books. We see blonde hair, blue-eyed people in our books. Like, where are you? What do we call your hair? Like, what do we, like, how do we describe you? Because that language just wasn't in the materials that they were seeing. So that was, like, the one end. But then just being at, like, a souvenir shop and a guy saying, asking me what part of Africa you from, I said the U.S., he's like, oh, you're probably from, like, Nigeria or something like that, based off, like, my nose shape.
0: Yeah, that's What is wrong with y'all?
2: Like, you know, yeah. and it's, in, like, in that decision, you have to think, do I, like, first of all, do I want to cuss you out? <laughs> Second of all, do I, do I even want to engage in this for real? And third of all, do I just ignore you, but but then also you think it's okay to ask this question to somebody else? You carry the weight of your race as well as, like, your nationality, like, as a Black American, everywhere you go in a way that I was used to talking about my race, obviously growing up in the U.S. But the nationality piece and like really wrestling with that was something that, again, no one created a pamphlet for me to learn about. That was purely by lived experience.
1: Something I want to ask you about and touch on is when you had mentioned that people would say that, oh, you have this American perspective or you have this U.S. perspective. Could you talk about that? Because I think that's really important for our international listeners, which we have quite a few to understand that the American perspective is valid. I mean, like, how can you say one perspective, one perspective of a certain nationality is okay and the other is not?
0: Well, it's just also like the the understanding that There are different populations in in America, and we don't all have the same experience, too.
2: Yes, both of those things are true. (laughs) Uh, And I will also say, so I was, this is good cultural, political context to know. So I was abroad from August 2016 to June 2017. So I was abroad during the 2016 election Mm. as well. And I was there in spring 2015 on the rise of the 2016 u.s election so i think that also adds another layer to my experience because after november oh my gosh the questions we would get answered like me and my friends when were traveling completely changed people went from asking us "Do y'all call stuff like sandwiches or hoagies in the u.s to like our opinion on trump right mm-hmm. and 45 whatever you want to call him like presidency all of that and so it that also changed also being in fulbright which the u.s department of state international education funded program it's like technically my title was English teaching assistant and u.s cultural ambassador like that's technically the title and it's like how do you represent that at this point even before obviously knowing the the u.s history i had to deal with it's like civil rights all of that racism okay i'm still gonna do this program and now i have to do it with this person being the face of the united states so To answer your question, I think because of that, people felt emboldened to say like, oh, that's just because of the U.S. perspective. Without understanding, this is a lot of my discussions with people who live outside the U.S., is that while you may have been exposed to U.S. culture through media, TV, movies, et cetera, one, it's a glamorized view of the United States. Two, it's a view of the United States through the white gaze, like, and That's the disconnect with those conversations, too. It's like the U.S. you're describing is not the U.S. that people who look like me live in. And so I think it's hard for people who think they know everything about the U.S. due to the prevalence and the hypervisibility of our culture, of our experiences in the media. Like, it's hard for them to hear. They actually don't know as much as they think they know. And it took me a long time to figure that out because I was just like, I don't understand why this is not connecting. Because for me, it's like, duh, like, you know, I'm so entrenched in it. But the more you talk to people, the more you realize that their concept of the US is New York City their concept of the u.s is california i am from milwaukee wisconsin okay my being black in the midwest is its own you know subset because to zoe's point there are like not only are there different races and ethnicities in the u.s there are like regional cultures are a thing especially regional black cultures being black in the midwest is different being black in the south or black on the east coast or black on the west coast I like they're to at to friends
0: too I yeah really like to explain that
2: yeah, regional Black cultures are a thing. And so people just don't understand the depth of that, especially when you're only exposed to like sex in the city or like people like, like oh, Wisconsin, that 70s show. Like those are those <laughs> point of references. And I'm like, there's no one from that 70s show who looks like that, that was in my life on a daily basis. <laughs> like, you know, I grew up on the north side of Milwaukee. It's predominantly Black. So it's just understanding the lens through which other people of other cultures nationalities etc are understanding the u.s and it was hard honest it was very difficult to have a conversations when you realize they actually don't know anything about you or your people <laughs> in no capacity aside from again beyonce obama rihanna et cetera, yeah. like entertainment
0: yes even even like movies and, and just the news you know what i mean it's the view that people get
2: yeah, and I feel like with Europeans there is a level of cognitive dissonance there. Yeah, they can't sure. convince yeah. me otherwise. Yeah, yeah sure <laughs> because it's it's this thing where it's like, oh, Europe is like this utopia. I'm like, I've been over mm-hmm. here for a little wi- no. little while, yeah. and I'm gonna let you know this feels similar are there things that are different like universal health care and public transportation which is a hill i would die on we could have took anything from europe i don't know why we didn't bring it over here i love the public yeah. transport over there that's like my favorite part of being in europe but aside from that like just the whole like oh it's a utopia like i remember a guy a swedish guy telling me oh we can say the n-word it's different over here like what love what does that yeah mean?
1: Oops, sorry. I sorry that
2: happened in 2017 I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out what he was talking about but like he literally told me that in my apartment in my space and like uh, um it's, like, it, it's a whole thing right and so there is this level of yes is Europe different in some ways absolutely but the racism that we experience in the U.S. was a learned behavior that people from yeah. Europe brought over here. Like it's not like it's this separate thing like and it's just the way Europeans even now like on TikTok people are like, "Oh my god, the US is so bad," especially after June 2020 with like George Floyd. I'm like, this also proves y'all have not been listening. And I I just say from like a black perspective, y'all don't listen to black folks like yeah. at all. If all y'all are shocked that this is happening, you know, I know it was a pandemic, I know y'all were at home and y'all could actually pay attention, but I was really frustrated during that time, also coming out of grad school and that whole experience, too, of, like, it seemed like people really had not been listening, from my perspective, to Black Americans and our history and stuff for, what, 400 years, for decades, however we want to quantify it. It's like, all of a sudden, let's talk about race in, like, international international context it's like if y'all had actually been listening to us and not saying oh this is like their us perspective or your american perspective maybe this wouldn't have been a bigger like a shock to you because to us it's like this was a daily part of life for a long time and so it's hard to wrestle with that especially now as i the more i travel and the more i see things like it's hard to put i want to travel And engage in conversations, but to engage in conversations around race is very difficult, even now. Like it was difficult things. I was way more confused on how to talk about it in an international context, but now it's like, y'all know. And people are still trying to tell me about where I'm from, (laughs) even though y'all were protesting in June, 2020. Like the, my, my boss and my really good friend also says, like always says our political memories are so short because people forget so quickly how things are and just kind of go back to what it was. And it's like, this is still happening. It's been happening. Y'all just now paying attention and you want everybody to pause in the same way as you. But if there's one thing that black people in the U.S. can talk about it's race it's racism like that is one thing that I stand 10 toes on it's like that is something we can talk about from start to finish whether or not you have degrees or just based on your purely your lived experience if you are black brown indigenous any type of non-white non-cis not disabled part like you can talk about it because you have a very specific experience when it's overt and systemic. And so I think trying to reconcile that while you're traveling and engage in that two pronged conversation, it's hard. It's really hard because you see it abroad. It's just a like and it is race and racism, but also it's like immigration and all these other things that happen here that also happen there. But to put it all together makes it seem like you're kind of crazy. <laughs> and, and and that's just unfair. Let's talk about that.
1: So your feeling of tiptoeing around the topic of race with the people you met in Europe is because when you have tried it, it just doesn't go through.
2: They just don't get it. They don't get it. And I would say also this depends on who I'm talking to because I because after a while I'm like, okay, let me find a black folks in Europe. But like, let me figure out where where they're at cuz if you go to any like big European city and go downtown Sometimes like, okay, I know Black folks are here. I know we're here. So where are we at? So eventually I did get resourceful and use social media to my advantage. I started looking up like Black in Amsterdam, Black in et cetera groups to connect with folks. And I think those were better conversations because- even then, like, they they did say it is still a little different. Like, it's very similar, but they have different examples, right? But for but being in those spaces was better for me because it was like, okay, I'm not just, like, speaking into the abyss. And it really was unintentional that I wasn't having this conversation. I only had them because you asked me part of Africa I was from. Like, I would have never brought these things up if you hadn't inquired and that people debate you. It's just exhausting. It's exhausting to always have to explain or defend or people are like, can you give me examples? (laughs) Like, not really. I'm in the club. Like, I really just want to sit here and enjoy my wine and enjoy my food. But I can't because you're staring at me and now you're asking me questions and I'm trying to be polite and trying, you know, my hand at, cross-cultural exchange and you know all the things they tell you and like study abroad and international education that you should be open to but no one tells you how to handle the emotional labor that comes with it so I felt like it got better when I did connect with other people across the diaspora in particular African diaspora in these different cities to talk about those experiences but it, it's exhausting like as much as I want to be that person to help people like understand Sometimes I want to just go shake my head say, okay, and I'm going to keep walking. I just can't always engage and be on all the time because that's not why I came over here. came to like the Eiffel Tower. like I came to see these things, and instead I'm being bombarded with questions about why I'm from the U.S. and not from Africa. You just want to enjoy your ice cream. I just want to exist without having yeah. to... Enter- and so that's why after like June 2020 and seeing all these travel brands, you know, they cr- like the Black Travel Alliance was created around that time. So it was great to see all that. And it's like I hope y'all don't think that we're about to be explaining stuff to y'all forever because I don't care about like diversity, equity, inclusion. Those are great. Those are in theory, whatever. I want to be liberated so that I do not even have to worry about it. Like so I can go somewhere without googling racism in X country. That to me would be my idea of like the future. I do not want to worry about being a Black body. That's my goal. And I feel like people talk about it, but like it's still around the level of like educating and making things more accessible. But the greatest accessibility to me is to not even worry about it. And will I see that day? I hope so. You know, I have to have faith that I do and just have that foresight. But
0: but yeah, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. For any place that I want to travel to even sometimes even within the United States but especially outside I like that's the first thing I google is like okay black in Germany black in Russia black in like w- what is the experience just so that I'm aware of of what like may happen um and mm. like the like you said like the conversation that you wind up having with people there and also just to, like find the other black people like where are we just, yeah. just so I know. Yeah, one of my
2: a few years ago, my top post on my website was being black in Europe, as told by Black Americans. And I had through like sojourneys and Instagram and stuff had you know connected with other Black travelers, um, who had lived in like London and Brussels and Paris and all these places. So we wrote this really long post before I knew what the heck SEO was. This very long post that I asked them questions, and then I just got thousands of hits on my pay on my website about this. And I think now the highest ranked or most looked at posts is my black in spain advice for black americans or like as told by a black american because i also feel like distinguishing my nationality is important because being a black american abroad can be different from being like i don't know a black british person like a black person from jamaica like they're a black person from like nigeria or you know ghana because like passport privilege is real and so there's a lot of nuance even amongst black people that i feel like i learned through traveling that I didn't fully understand when i in the U.S. honestly because Around here, you're black and the way that black Americans we talk about ourselves, like being black is a race and ethnicity. If you actually listen to how we describe what we experience, it's not just the color of our skin. Like it's it's rooted in like the culture and the traditions and all that kind of stuff. And so understanding how we view ourselves, but also other people's conceptualization of race, being like having those specifiers, I think is really important. Just because I don't want people to say, Oh, well, old girl said being black over here was great first of all anti-blackness everywhere so that's not possible unfortunately but also I want to be specific in my experience and my privileges and also how that intersects with travel.
0: Another thing right is that you've traveled extensively throughout the U.S. as well and that's different than going to another country But there's still differences within the United States in terms of traveling solo and traveling, while Black, and just just traveling, like knowing where you're going, right? Knowing the culture of the place you're going, right? Because the U.S. is very large and it's different culturally in, in different areas. Can you talk about that?
2: Yes. I'm about to not age myself. I'm not old, y'all. I'm only 27,
0: but I grew up.
2: <laughs> oh with... my
1: god, the knees are gonna be creaking. <laughs> I
2: know, I know. But I feel like what I'm about to say, "You like, huh?" When um, once you, hit 30, you're you were, back, were there. I know, started, oh, I know. My back already hurt. So, okay. Oh gosh, my mom and then she print out the MapQuest directions. I don't know if y'all were like traveling. My mom was a MapQuest woman. Okay, so I just remember. This is gonna get to your <laughs> answer your question in a second, but I remember printing out the her printing out the maps and like the directions and stuff. And I often think about how intentional like they had to be, especially when we were traveling from like Milwaukee to Louisiana. Like, mm, there's some states in there, you know. There's some towns that you go through there and stuff. And so I never really asked her if they adamantly like her like we can't stay here. But when they had to map out hotels and stuff, obviously you got to go to cities, like, you have to go to places that are well-lit, you have to go to places, you know, going through all those states that, you know, we could maybe order take, order takeout if we weren't going to go to a restaurant, or, you know, if, you know, it was me and my younger brother, so, like, we were kids, so we didn't fully understand what was going on, but there is level of intentionality my parents always had to, had to have, like, going, planning those road trips, right? and so i think that lends to your your question about understanding us cities and how us travel is something that a lot of people don't do for a variety of reasons right it's huge it's expensive and it's not really built for travel unless you have a car right that's really car or you can afford flights again i love pub- i love europe primarily because of public transport and the way you can get around from place to place and see new places. But we don't have that infrastructure, which I would argue is intentional. But I think understanding U.S. cities and like the history of them and like Milwaukee which people don't understand, like, like I think it was what, 35, 40 percent Black people are always surprised when I tell them, like, I'm from Milwaukee and like the Black folks up here, you know, outside of like Chicago. Right. And so understanding Black history is the way I understand U.S. cities. Like my dad's a history teacher. And so him, and he teaches U.S. history in particular. So I got random speeches all the time about U.S. history and various points and how, you know, the connection between who we are, St. Louis, where he was from, and my where I grew up in Milwaukee and like how we're all connected to like the great migration and understanding how folks traveled and dispersed, which is why I do have family all over the place because we went where opportunity was uh, back then or what they deemed was like opportunity back in the day. And that also influences, I think now when I think about the trip I did recently around the U.S., like why I really wanted to go to New Orleans. So much Black history in New Orleans, like just so much and you can still see like the european influence there and like houston i never been to houston before but seeing the art and like the black folks there was a whole thing and then going to san diego where it was like four percent black and trying to like connect and i met a woman who owned a black-owned coffee shop called cafe x by any beans necessary it was black woman owned and i was talking to her and she was like i'm from here but my daughter's like fourth generation san diego and i've seen the city change i've seen the ripples of like what's been going on from people with to Las Vegas to Houston so I think understanding U.S. cities I truly did learn from understanding Black history and how my people traveled and made the best of what you know they could and even outside of like going from town to town I got really into train travel like I took the train from Chicago to California and then from there I'm like well Black folks don't seem to ride the train, at least in my generation, right? And I did a whole post for like travel and leisure around like the Pullman Porters and how train travel is really Black history because they were the ones who really shaped, you know, the travel experience of the luggage and being in the sleeper cars and carrying everything, et cetera. And then I learned my godmother, her father worked on the train. And so she was born in Detroit. And so she was part of, you know, the Pullman Porters who really shape the black middle class in the Midwest. Like she's a product of that because she's in her eighties, you know? And so like that is that was her experience. So there's just so much nuance in in traveling that in the US that I did not fully consider honestly until my adulthood when I kind of got out of the international scope, which I think is a large due to the pandemic and trying to figure out where can I visit and go in the US and how has that kind of changed over time? And what does that even look like uh, when sundown towns do exist? Like what kind of safety precautions do I have to take when I want to go hiking or take a train or take a road trip? So what are
1: sundown towns?
2: Okay, this is not going to be like a Webster definition. I'll make that very clear. So uh, sundown towns are towns that particular Black people cannot. I, I was going to use past tense, but you're not past tense. Unfortunately, um, there are places where when the sun goes down, racism, violence, like I don't want to say anything goes, but sundown towns are what we what we call towns where you don't want to be caught there after dark if you're a black person, essentially. But I would argue if you're anything but white, you probably don't want to be caught in a sundown town. But it came from my understanding and how I was taught it, it came out of like the civil rights movement and that era of just knowing where you were welcome to go to and where you were not welcome to go to.
1: You know, one famous town that's known for that is Goshen, Indiana. But I'm curious in your travels, have you experienced sundown towns or because growing up your family has taught you how to kind of avoid these kinds of towns so you would avoid them?
2: Yeah, I don't think there were like places I can like say that was a sundown town because I think my family did a really good job of like mapping out uh, where where to stay um so for me it wasn't like oh that place is a sundown downtown. but I think as I because also the other part of that is like growing up in Wisconsin Milwaukee is where I think like 70 percent of black people in the whole state live so like it's very like in this area and so if we're all in one area that don't mean we're going too far you know outside outside of the city. And so with the pandemic and moving home, that was really the first time I truly went out of the city of Milwaukee to really go hiking or go see other places. Granted we did like Wisconsin Dells and like the resorts and stuff when I was a kid, but Going to like Lake Geneva, where that was a place I was called the N word when I was a kid. I was at a resort with my family, and we were like walking, and there's like a like a pickup truck like Confederate flags that was like N words, blah blah blah, or whatever they said. And so I vowed I was never gonna go back there because why would I do that? And then when I wanted to go hiking, there was a really cool trail that I wanted to go to. Me and my friend wanted to go to, so I'm like, okay. But I was really apprehensive. Like, and that was the first time I felt I really feel like. I let racism hinder where I wanted to go for real because I had such a visceral reaction to it when I was a kid. And so that was one city, which now I'm like, it wasn't bad. Like when I went a few years ago or I guess two years ago, but that was one place I was like, I don't want to go out there. I don't know if it's sundown town. I don't know like what the history is, but I don't want to go back to a place that doesn't make me feel welcome. And so I feel like it wasn't, at least in my experience I didn't learn like, okay, these are the sundown towns you don't go to. It's like, you, I happen to go somewhere and it's like, I don't feel welcome here. I'm a dip. Like, you know, but even when me and my friend are planning to go on trips and to go hiking, we were like, okay, we have to go early in the day because we don't want to get caught anywhere here. You know, at night, because we were, this was in what, 2020, right, right after the election, we were still seeing Trump 2024 signs and like Trump Jr. 2028. And like, his kids 2036 or whatever like it was still adamant like not oh we're a sundown town but oh we're not We're you people are probably not welcome <laughs> like as a black person that was a signal that I was not welcome in those places when you're driving outside of the city of Milwaukee and going to places like Sheboygan no, but like other areas where there's like hiking and places to go it's like I don't know if any of those honestly are considered quote unquote sun downtown, but I know I'm not going to get caught there like late at night. Like, I know I probably should plan my trip earlier in the day to be home by the middle of the day while the sun is still up. You know, so even if it's not a sun downtown, it's like I'm taking a precautions so I don't get caught up anywhere. I'm not welcome.
0: That's interesting. So, like, I I mean, obviously, yeah, being from Milwaukee, you know, living in in a predominantly black neighborhood, you're not really going to see Trump signs. I mean, I would, I would think not, like you said, you, you saw them when you traveled out, you know, outside of Milwaukee, but I guess around here, we're in New Jersey. And so we have this weird thing where like, we see those signs, right? We don't see them as much anymore, but they were, I'd say like in my neighborhood, half the neighborhood had Trump signs. And I was like shocked Um, because you live here and people seem okay. And then you, you, Mm -hmm. you know, you get to understand like where their mind is at. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of scary.
2: Yeah, and it's wild too because there's a running joke that we call Wisconsin Mississippi, which people don't fully like understand for real. Like they think we're joking when we talk about being in the midwest like i think growing up there was this notion which i guess is called propaganda i think is a better word of oh the north is nice you know because they didn't have slaves like they didn't do these things but it's like as long as it wasn't profitable for y'all like it's not like y'all were good people it was just because it wasn't seen as like something that was worth the investment because you still saw black folks as property and so i think unlearning that too of like it's not the midwest is nice there yeah. is like this notion of being like the midwest nice but under that is that deep-rooted I'm gonna be nice to your face but i definitely have like trump signs outside my house like you know and then you people who are not nice to your face who are adamant about what they believe in yeah. but being in milwaukee and my parents did a really good job of like sheltering me for, like, a lot of that and being intentional about the spaces I was put into. But that's also exhausting for them to have to always worry about their children in this way. And so looking at, like, sundown towns, it's why we didn't necessarily travel through Wisconsin, you know? It's, like, it's why, like, you know, a lot of Black people, a lot of my white friends from, like, high school will go to, like, lake houses. A lot of Black folks were going down south, for like yeah. the holidays, yep. you know, that even that that slight difference in language is like, yeah, because that's two very different experiences, even though we're all in the same city in Milwaukee, we still have very different experiences. Granted, Milwaukee is red is it like redlining is a thing here and like black folks on the north side, white folks on the east side, south side is predominantly Spanish speaking. There are still all those things that are going on and we're all still living um, in the same place. But it's, it's a different experience depending upon, again, what
0: you look. Like your race,
2: all those things as well.
0: It's interesting because I I feel like on the East Coast. I mean, because I haven't really gone to the West Coast and Midwest much, but cities are are like it's always like the safe spot. Like we, I I don't know. I always feel like I I can find somebody that I can relate to in a city, and that's the place to go. And like the countryside and the suburbs and, and and the more rural areas, try and stay away. But then I realized that once you kind of leave like the East Coast, once you leave the Northeast where it's, you know, there's a lot of like metropolitan cities, metropolitan areas. And then you go out, especially even down South. Like it's, you you kind of have to know where you're going because you, you don't yeah. know where you're going to wind up.
2: Yeah, there was this map that I finally found. I was looking for it at my thing. And obviously people on the podcast can't see it, but it was this link where you can put in sundown towns and you can see like, so here it says Milwaukee right this is where I am but like Tulsa that's literally a 10-minute drive for me and it wow. says confirmed oh, possible shit. uh I literally just saw this like two weeks ago and I knew we we're gonna be chatting and I'm like let me save this what? for our conversation but like all these places like I can this is not even look look at that like oh, God. all these so like it says confirmed possible um what? Confirm possible like all these places oh that gosh. are still near the city right yeah. so even like that's why that's why i was saying i don't know if they're considered quote-unquote sundown towns but you can feel when you're not welcome <laughs> like you I mean, can, you can it's, yeah it's adamant when like you're not welcome and so yeah yeah i can send y'all this link but it that'd be great white yeah. white flight was a thing in milwaukee yeah. and even like i'm looking at this map right now and just saying, like, I went hiking around Oshkosh and it says confirmed <laughs> possible. Like these places, wow. yeah, like they have like the red flags and stuff, which is ironic. Like lacrosse is a big place for people to go to school, and even Whoa. how the proximity to these places being by like nature and water and all these kinds of things that people may want to experience as that's, well.
0: That's what's crazy, is because I I like outdoor activities. And I, I like tra- you know. I like traveling on trains. I like public transportation, and I feel like we don't like Black people don't do that as much. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Yeah,
2: that's because so she just Indiana. zoomed out of the.
0: She just zoomed out of the map, and it's like,
2: yeah, like, and this is like <laughs> these, these were the states we had to go through, and it's ironic, you know. Also, we're recording this after they overturn Roe versus
0: Wade, oh, and course. so, so that's, that's a whole nother thing now. Yeah, like
2: this is also a thing that people are gonna have to be dealing with, you know, if you're in a situation where you need those services
1: i'm guessing they could pull this from um black people who have driven through mm-hmm. different so if pennsylvania more. doesn't have any it's probably maybe because black people are like we're just going to avoid oh it God, we are <laughs> avoiding it we are not going so to pennsylvania they, so there's no surveys <laughs> there were no not black yeah. people in pennsylvania Philadelphia no. is one thing but you're not going to altona well your mom um uh sojourner right your mom's mm-hmm. family is from pittsburgh yeah. Pittsburgh is weird.
2: I mean Milwaukee's weird too, <laughs> but Pittsburgh is weird. I'm like a walking like daughter of the Great Migration. Like I got folks on <laughs> all the cities where people are like, I didn't know black folks were there for real. Yeah. No, so it's I've I went yeah. to Pittsburgh for the first time in a long time in October of last year. And First of all, the topography of Pittsburgh is amazing. Yeah. Like, if you ever look at the way it's like, there's no way there should be people living there, given how hilly it is, and all of, like, the way buildings are built, it's amazing that Pittsburgh is still standing in the way that it is. Because I'm like, is this place real? Like, crossing all of the bridges? You know, it has the most bridges in, like, the if any other city in the world, I believe.
0: Really? I have to check this out. Yeah,
2: like, there's, like, it's, like, known as, like, the city of bridges and stuff, but but yeah, even like saying I have family in Pittsburgh, folks are like, okay, girl, like <laughs> that's the response. Like,
1: like, all right. Well, you know, the bridges thing
2: makes sense because I mean, has a huge like industrial history. hmm Um mm-hmm. and like all a bunch of my family, like they worked in the steel mills and all that okay. kind of stuff. And then that when that closed, a lot of them went to Atlanta and kind mm-hmm. of migrated back down. So yeah, there's again, I learned. U.S. cities based off of family history and just general like Black history from like my parents and stuff being, by the way, did you know this thing happened here? And so that's how I contextualized a lot of a lot of the U.S. growing up.
1: Yeah. I mean, and also Pittsburgh is very close to Morgantown, um, West Virginia. Um, People, so a lot of people from Morgantown would go to Pittsburgh for like the big city adventure. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've been to West Virginia, but that's like crazy mm. hilly and also that's just like a different if you try to- planet which is, i mean I, I have not been not to, to west mean, virginia
2: yet yeah
1: my I, I i went um to like a small town in west virginia because they had a nice italian restaurant our server <laughs> was black i was like oh my god oh okay. i did not see this coming i really did not it's like west virginia you don't really think no yeah and i'm like oh god i hope your life is okay
2: what I <laughs> and <laughs> And and that's the other thing about traveling. It's like, you learn there are Black folks everywhere. Like, yeah. like there really are. It's just a matter of where, in a lot of ways, where they've been redlined, right? Yeah. Uh, because if you were to go downtown Milwaukee, you wouldn't think there were a lot of Black folks in Milwaukee. Like, you would have no idea that once you come to my side of town is predominantly black people like you, you you wouldn't know that if you were just downtown right and so that's the other thing even the more like i travel for work and we've been in boston and it's like you wouldn't know in boston for real and then i got on black boston and i'm taking notes so that when i go back yeah. to boston yep. i can be with the black people so the other part about it is like how the way social media has changed you know i think the phrase "sun downtowns" too coming mm-hmm. into like Popular culture is largely due to social media as well, and people actually talking about it and saying, Hey, this thing happened to me. Did it happen to anybody else? And now, with the algorithms, you can find thousands of people who have the same or similar experiences to you. And then y'all can go and create things like that map. You know, I know after George Floyd, they mapped protests around the world that happened. Those things would not exist if we didn't have like social media. And so, people always talk about. And then maybe I'm biased because, like, I post a lot on social media, but it really, like, yes, there is a cesspool part of it that you don't want to be a part of, blah, blah, blah. Trolls exist. And there are some parts where, like, if you can weed through the madness, you can find, like, actually really good information about places to go, where not to go.
1: I mean, I believe that now. I mean, I'm not Black. My family's not Black. But some of the things that we have done in terms of road trips are a little sim- a little similar as to what your family's done, Sojourner, and that's mm-hmm. like mapping out where we can stop um, bringing our own food. Um,
2: maybe that's just like an immigrant thing or. I believe that we have like adjacent experiences, too, because I feel like when you grow up as like a black or brown person in the U.S., like you you learn different. I guess for lack of a better phrase, like survival mechanisms, yeah, uh, like that, you know, that are trained, which goes back to our earlier thing of like explaining that to someone abroad is like a whole history lesson as to why you do all of the things or, or move the way you do, because it literally like, it's a means of survival. It's not just like, oh, I want to go to like, this house like if you ask like a lot I feel like a lot of people especially black and brown folks who travel like if you talk to a lot of people it's because of family it's it wasn't because like oh I'm gonna take a vacation because I argue a vacation and visiting family are not mutually exclusive those are not the same thing like going for a family reunion is not the same as going on vacation like it's it's just not but a lot of us were exposed to traveling through like going to visit family especially like in my case of just going from places like I only traveled because it was to visit people and then we also did touristy things on yes. the side right like it was like oh yeah well what's go here like I have family in Battle Creek Michigan which is where um, Sojourner Truth is also buried and so I went there and like we did like we visited family we saw like it's like a It's a thirteen foot statue of her in like in Battle Creek, and then they also have Kellogg there. So we went to like the Kellogg Museum and got like cereal with our face on it. You know, it's like little stuff like that. It was a family trip. We turned into like a touristy trip at the same time. So that makes all the sense to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, go yeah. Visiting was for family or family friends or an off chance when my dad got time off from work um, was, yeah, let's do touristy things. So we went to Disney world. I was 16. It's like, I'm too old. Milwaukee is really strange. Just going back to that is because, well, it could also be because it's been in the news lately uh, with a lot of different cases coming up, but I, I, wouldn't have known that you know it had a pretty significant black population um, mm-hmm. because I mean it's also one of the most racist cities. And mm-hmm. by that I thought you know they actually pushed the black people who had lived in Milwaukee out because of how racist mm-hmm. I mean it's it's institutionalized the mm-hmm. police system, right? Is it's
2: yeah. Yeah, it's one of the worst in the city. I think too. With that, people assume it's easy to relocate. I think I'm hearing that a lot now too. People are like, "Why are y'all still staying in the U.S.? Like, leave the country. You know how expensive that is. <laughs> like, I've done it before. I did it through a program, and it was expensive. So to do it with, like, if I had like a family to relocate and all of that, like, that's a humongous process. Like, it's not sustainable for everyone to just up and leave. Like, yeah. it just, you know, it just isn't. And so I feel like it's the same thing with. Milwaukee. It's like, also, it's your home, right? How do you tell people, especially Black Americans, who, if you think about it, if the U.S. falls today, right? If the U.S. falls today, where are we going to go? Like, where do we have to go? There are people who have family in other countries they can go to, but the majority of Black Americans do not have people outside of the U.S., and that's by design, right? Just like the racism in Milwaukee is by design. Everything is by design. Like, like we don't have anywhere to go. And so I think that's part of it too, is like people can move around the city, right? And or attempt to move around the city or like go to Chicago because like it's the closest, biggest city, but also it's way more expensive (laughs) to live in Chicago than Milwaukee. And to up in, actually a lot of people A lot of black folks who are in Milwaukee, if they're not from the South or like first generation Milwaukeean, they're actually from Chicago and they moved here because of the cost of living and not being able to afford Chicago like life. So it's, yeah, I, Milwaukee, like it's home, right? And I think people are like, well, what do I do in Milwaukee? I don't know. I'm from here. I lived here. Like, so I know what I do. I Like now I kind of do more travel writing around Milwaukee, but the flip side of that is knowing the history and knowing that it's racist. How do you, how do I, as a travel writer, ethically talk about my own hometown? You know, like, how do I tell you to go to these places while also knowing that these things happen here? So, it's a very... Again, I feel like the word of the day is like nuance. It's like I want y'all to come and like see my city and visit and blah, blah, blah. But also I don't want it to become like a tourist paradise. Cause we because we we know we've seen what that has done to places around the world. Right. And so it's a very thin line that I think as a someone who holds power as a travel writer has to always like think about because I don't want to sell folks a dream of the city. Like I'm very honest about like this happens this happens, this happens. And also there are amazing black businesses here. My mom runs a, a co-op for, I think like 25 plus, um, businesses in the city. Like there's, there is like a real, there's like good stuff here, but it's just one, place where you have to find it. You have to know where to go. And, um, one of my coworkers is a big, like, she's truly the Milwaukee mayor, like unofficially, like she loves the city. And so, I feel like I know all of the bad things that happen and I can't ignore that there are good parts, right? You can't, like, you kind of take the bad with the good, you know, in a world of anti-Blackness. You can't always harp on like the negative. And so, yes, I see segregation every day. Like I cross a bridge. It goes from Black people to white people to Spanish speaking populations on the South side. Like that's an intentional design. And it's just like, How do we fix all of these things in a place that is very slow to change? You know, it's like, how do we do, how do we move in these spaces knowing that people don't want it to change? Which is the other harsh reality about being in a city like like Milwaukee. As much as I love it, there are people who are very satisfied with the status quo. Like, I would love to see more black folks everywhere you know i would see more people thriving everywhere but we all know that's not um you know the powers that be they don't want that so it's a it's hard i'm not gonna lie it's hard to to reconcile both someone who loves travel and has seen a lot of places and like oh milwaukee could totally do this if we did x y and z you know if these things weren't a factor we could totally have this and that's that's like the hard part for me as someone who who likes to get out and see and see a lot
1: but I think you know one step that you've taken which is really really important is actually having these conversations uh I mean using your travel you using your passion for travel and um you know experiences uh, of travel to have these, Conversations with people because I think a lot of people think that, you know, if we don't have these conversations, it's just like, okay, it's not, it's not happening. Like, no, racism is happening regardless of if you have these conversations or not. Having these conversations.
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, the only way to get through. Things right is to have the uncomfortable conversations that you don't want to have. That's it. Yeah. You that you have to talk about things. Yeah,
1: I mean, and think about it. Like, if it's uncomfortable for you, who hasn't experienced, you know, this marginalization, like, the, just put that aside and yeah, put What's yourself. It's more,
0: yeah, it, it's more comfortable for the people who don't go through it. Like I, you know, yeah, I can talk about whatever. I, you know, it's fine. Other people don't want to talk about it. Yep yeah yeah they
2: definitely like to avoid it just like oh it's not happening it's like i can enjoy you know a beautiful day outside and also acknowledge that you know i hear a lot of cartaceous on my street <laughs> yeah. you know at the same like both things yeah. can be true and i feel like people that's one of the things i realized especially recently is like you know two truths can exist at the same time like that truth is possible and also this truth is possible and so I think that's, that's one of the big things. It's like, y'all can't just ignore things because yeah. it's like easier to ignore. Like I'm definitely, especially when I talk about traveling and I think the way I've talked about travel has changed because of what y'all have said. You know, the more you travel, the nuance, understanding cities and history and like sundown towns. It's like travel is not accessible. No matter if you are someone like me who is Black middle-class, employed, no kids, whatever, travel still has its barriers that aren't just financial. And so understanding the context of like, yes, I want everybody to travel, but everybody can't travel in the way that maybe I have. So how can we like find that freedom and flexibility wherever, even if it's like, you know, getting an hour a day to yourself. Like, I think it looks different for everybody um, and travel looks different and Yeah, it's just it can't move forward unless, again, we do just talk about what's really going
0: on and just be honest about the situation that people are
2: people are living
0: in. One of my last questions really is what would you say to people who are hesitant to travel within even the U.S. or abroad based on possible experiences that they may have that may be negative? What would you say? I'm about to contradict everything I said. Ah, that's so funny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, y'all. So y'all know the world is anti-Black and I don't think it should stop you. I know. I know. It feels like, it's like, how can you have this whole conversation and still want to travel? But I just refuse to believe that my, like, even like my family, my family living, people who have passed on, like all of the things, all the sacrifices that my family and my ancestors have made, they wanted me to stay in one place. Like, I think about that all the time. And I don't think it's that's to say you should go somewhere and completely not respect, you know, the culture, the people. I don't think, like, I think that has, like, you have has some decorum okay like you know be mindful in that way but I just don't live by the motto that I'ma let racism stop me and I think that trip to Lake Geneva really put into perspective for me of like you really can't just avoid places I mean I could right I could but if I want to like find the freedom that I that I seek you know and a lot of the times that is through travel I want to be able to do that so if you want to travel the U.S. listen to me listen save your coins inflation right now is kicking our butts however even without inflation the U.S. is an expensive country to travel to so save the coins (laughs) um use those weekends uh I say go for it because You know, you don't have to plan an extravagant trip. It doesn't have to be a five-month trip to Spain. I was dramatic, okay? Like, it does not have to look that way. You can go on a weekend trip. If you want to go to New York, you go ahead budget it out, do what you need to do, save the coins to go to New York for a weekend. If you want to go, like I went to the Houston Rodeo, which was a whole experience. I went on Black Heritage Night back in March. It was great. If you want to do that, I support. Go ahead, save your coins and go do that. But if you want to go on a two-week safari, wherever, go ahead, do that. If you want to go to Greece for a month, go ahead and do that. I just feel like if there's something you really want to do, I'm a big supporter of just, of just going for it at the end of the day, because why not? And, you know, maybe it's not all that you envisioned. Maybe you learn like, oh, actually, this is not what I expected, but I still had a great time. Or maybe like, oh, actually, I ain't gonna come back here again. Listen, it's your prerogative, but you won't know if you don't go. So at the end of the day, just, just hop on the flight or the train or get in the car or a bus, whatever you're motor transportation is and just just go see it for yourself um because places are a lot more generous like I know I talked a lot about the not so good things but Overall, I think I've had a really great travel experiences that have definitely outweighed the uncomfortable questions and stares and stuff. Like I, I look back on my travel journals and my photos very fondly and I can't wait, you know, to show. I'm not convinced I'm having kids. So maybe my nieces and nephews uh, like your auntie was out here. OK, she was cute. She was broke, but she was cute and she was traveling.
1: <laughs> You'll be like a yeah. figurehead in the family. I know, I know. Maybe y'all
2: like I don't know after yesterday. I don't know about kids, but we, all, <laughs> we 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 all see. I have my own, but I know I have some nieces and nephews, and one one niece or nephew on the way. So I'm excited to like like hey, your TT travels, and you should too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. it's, um, it's it's kind of like a travel is 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 difficult, but then it's also but you should travel. Like it it's. I feel like there's always, like, this duality of, um, you know, you may have some experiences, you may not like all of them, but overall, the experience of traveling will probably be mostly positive. I feel like that's the takeaway. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And also, like, compared to even when I traveled in 2015, there are so many resources out here that people are sharing about their identities when you travel in a way that I did not have when I first started traveling in 2015, at least abroad. You know, I, I knew about the U.S., but going abroad, like, you have so many different people. Like, there's, like, Black girls travel, um, um, Southeast Asians travel, like, like there's just so many people, there's, like, LGBTQ travel influencers, and, like, they're just uh, there's a lot of also um, disabled travel influencers who are talking about accessibility and travel and so like there's just so many subsectors of travel niches quote unquote but really they're based on like real people <laughs> talking about their very real life experiences traveling and so i think that's also a really great resource as far as figuring out hey what would it be like for me to go over here well this person had this experience not saying it'll be yours but at least can give you a little bit of perspective if you're, if you're worried or apprehensive.
0: Yeah, that's true. People fall into more than just one category and, and you should definitely look at all the resources that would be beneficial in terms of traveling, like disabilities and whatnot. So, yeah. hmm Yeah.
1: So what has been your favorite place?
2: Uh, okay, <laughs> let me think. I always say, I always preface this question by saying, today, my favorite place that I'm missing a lot, I would say, mm, my favorite place. I keep going back. So I went to Costa Rica right before the pandemic hit. I was actually in Costa Rica when I found out COVID was a thing here um that's a whole different podcast for another day but on how i should have stayed but um, (laughs) i would say costa rica there was just something there's just something about after being in europe and like europe has beautiful places greece gorgeous want to go back to other islands outside of like athens santorini or i guess santorini you can also like the islands that i went to but there was something about costa rica and a, a tropical environment just has an effect on you that growing up in the Midwest where it's flatland, it's like snowy most of the year. And then a few months of summer and fall, there was something about being in Costa Rica that felt very like lush, like the greenery, the volcano, like there was just something about it that for me felt like a very, not out of body experience, but completely different from how I grew up and completely different from like the day to day that I see that I really appreciate places like that. Um, and it's also learning about how they're trying to maintain that in the midst of climate change and all those kind of things. I really did enjoy Costa Rica. The food was good. Um, I went ziplining um, in La Fortuna in the rainforest, which was amazing. I went hiking by waterfalls. Like it was just a really great experience so I think today I'll I'll pick Costa Rica though you ask me tomorrow I'm not gonna lie it could be a different different place but but that trip was really that was really cool I I enjoyed it a lot
1: I have heard that about Costa Rica that it almost feels like you're in a botanical garden
2: yes like it's
0: yeah, it just especially feels the rainforest so different.
1: yeah rainforest mm-hmm. part
2: of a botanical
1: garden right it's just mm-hmm. very lush and very lush and
0: then we
2: were we were in Yaco um on the beach and like just having both and like the sunsets were beautiful like it was just a a great a great experience so so yeah i don't know i'm traveling to panama and south africa this year later Mm. this year in the fall so maybe one of those will will knock costa rica out the top spot but but costa rica is probably my favorite i would say food wise though mexico has my heart oh yeah i'm i'm a sucker for for mexico i will say that where'd you go in mexico uh so my first official solo trip was actually to mexico okay uh i went to i flew into cancun but i went to Valladolid. it's like a smaller town and I was there for a little bit. I did like Tulum and um, I did apply to Carmen later, but I really went for Valladolid so I could go to like the cenotes around there and Chichen Itza and stuff like that. But I'm hoping to, to go to more places in Mexico, possibly later this year, or early next year. Um, I would love to go like to Mexico City. I've heard the food is great there. Oaxaca has been on my list for a while. Um, San Miguel de Allende, Puerto Escondido. Like there's just so many. Mexico's huge. Yeah, it's yeah,
0: it's huge.
2: huge. And they also have a train, by the way, really? called the El Chepe through their Copper Canyon, which is bigger than the Grand Canyon. What? And there's like down. a there's a train that takes you there, and then it's like an adventure park. So that's also on my my bucket list. It's called El wow. Chepe Copper so you're,
1: Canyon. You're fluent in Spanish, right?
2: yes okay. now we'll see we'll see if it holds up <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it holds up because you know spanish accents are a little different yeah
0: a little thicker but um
2: yeah mexico also has, yeah like the,
0: like the influences of like other languages like the like some yeah because yeah, they have their yeah. indigenous
2: languages too yeah. so it's mm-hmm. like hopefully my spanish like helps me out as much as possible but yeah I i i went there and it was fine i was able to speak spanish pretty pretty well so I was happy that you know I am fluent <laughs> yes yeah, I mean do you keep it up or like how do you yeah I try to like I like when I watch things on Netflix I have the subtitles just to keep right. keep it quick uh music I don't speak it as much as I probably should so I hope my Spanish professors are not listening
0: to me but <laughs> well, make sure to contact them so that they I, can. Know, mm-hmm. I yeah, know yeah
2: but oh. but yeah I am fluent so I can I can still That's keep great. up yeah
1: well you said that um uh well part of uh milwaukee right like the different parts of milwaukee have people from all over yeah so you could go and practice yeah. your
0: spanish
2: no literally like <laughs> like when you cross this bridge the billboards literally go from english to spanish so like it's pretty wow i, th- I think people are surprised by that too like they don't understand how how dense the city is as far as yeah. like having people of different language. Again, you may not hear it downtown, but if you travel around and wow. kind of really get into the neighborhoods, you can definitely hear how, how diverse, I guess, for lack of a better word, people or the city is like, there's a really like a large Burmese population as well.
1: I don't know what your parents are like and not to go too Freudian or anything, but mm-hmm. like, do they worry about um, you traveling alone? <laughs> Has that ever come up or no?
2: Yes my mom, not so much. Like my parents are like divorced. Like I lived my mom most of my life, but I saw my dad as well throughout all of that. But my dad, I think just because I'm the youngest on his side and like his baby girl, he just, he's like, I don't know if I want you going there. I'm a go, <laughs> sir. I'm to send you. I'll, I'll FaceTime you when I land because I'm going. So I think I think at first they were a bit apprehensive and like my mom supported it. So my dad was like, okay, if your mom says like, it's good, it's good. But yeah, I feel like it depends too. But she, now that I'm doing a bit more solo traveling by myself, they're like, okay, as long as you like send us your itinerary, like I'm big on using Google docs. So like I'll, I'll put the whole, like where I'm staying, where I'm going, how many days I'm staying in a shared Google doc with like my my family so they know what's going on and also I can update it in real time it's like a thing but yeah I feel like I think my mom was a bit apprehensive because I was in Europe during a lot of the bombings like a lot of the terrorist attacks that were happening in like 2015 2014 2016 I was over there so she was a bit a bit more worried but of course I mean if you ask her she's like I'm more worried about you being in Milwaukee honestly most of the time than uh-huh. I am you being abroad so it's so it's Again, it's that nuance, it's that double double edged sword of like, yes, places, new places that you don't know of can be scary. But unfortunately, the US has also prepared me for things that you know aren't the best as well. So it's yeah, so they're they're apprehensive, but not like prohibitory. Like I've never had them say, No, you can't go there. Cause I the flight was booked. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The flight was booked. So I'm gonna live. I was going. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're really supportive of that and never like limited me in that way, which I think is a, definitely as I grew up and met more people who were black or brown or especially a lot of my friends, my first generation, you know, their parents came to the U.S. and they're like, uh uh-uh. uh, like we did not do all these things for you because so you can go off and travel the world by yourself. Like no, you know I've heard the, more of those stories a lot from my friends who are, are again first first generation. I think, um, but it's also in the black community too. It's it, it's it's a thing to say no that place is racist even though we're from the U.S. So it's it's a mix, but but my family has thankfully not been unsupportive if anything they asked me to bring them stuff back and I'm like I'll bring you photos appreciate y'all having me on just to chat about not so fun things but (laughs) things people people should know and just be aware of and again not not let them hinder everything that they do but you know just some things that when you're traveling keep in mind do your research but enjoy don't don't let it get don't let the world get you down too much. Cause you, cause I think just the last thing is that you learn that strangers are not the people you should necessarily be afraid of, you know, like there, yes, there are people who don't do great things around the world, but most people really are not like that. They're very open, um, and like receptive and just willing to help in any way that they can. So if I scared you, I'm sorry, but also I want, you, I want you to be informed. No, I mean, I think if
1: anything, it's, you've inspired me personally even more because yeah. of the world is crazy. There's a lot of bad things that happen more so, you know, to some people than others, mm-hmm. but yeah, life is short, right? I mean,
2: sometimes you just yeah. have to take that risk. Yeah, I think once you learn, you can't control what other people think, feel, do you, no matter how much you explain to them, your perspective at the end of the day, people yeah. are going to believe what they want to believe. You know, they're going to have their beliefs. They may change later. You may never know that if you're like a stranger, y'all just cross paths. But yeah, I think once you realize, once you like relinquish that kind of control, of like I can't, I can't control how y'all move, but I know what I can control, which is me. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to do the things I need to do and and hope that I can have a really great experience no matter where I go.
1: And it seems like you you are, you know, putting yourself
2: out there, um, telling people
1: about different parts of the country, different parts of the mm-hmm. world and your experiences mm-hmm. and how it's not, yeah, it's not all rosy eye, rosy colored, rose colored glasses.
2: What well, yes, well, rose colored <laughs> glasses. That, I, like, I don't know. I don't know English. God. No, you're fine. <laughs> yeah no yeah I th- think that's the beautiful part about traveling it's like which I think we're hearing we're seeing more of too like on TikTok people are like I'm sick of y'all talking about a day in my life in dentrified Chicago <laughs> um, <laughs> you know I'm I'm sick of y'all doing these days in my yeah. life in my city like I'm from here it was actually so I think people are are reclaiming that travel narrative so that we won't just see people's homes as like a playground like you know that we actually yeah. see them as people people live there people yeah. have to survive there and so I think. I think, yeah, maybe we'll... I guess for me, it'll be interesting to see how much travel changes over the next however many years once we get out of a pandemic. If we get out of a pandemic, are we in an endemic? I don't know what's going on right now. But, like, once we get out of this, whatever this um, simulation we're in right now is over, Uh, I want to see what travel is going to look like after it's... Calm down, for lack of a... Because I don't think it'll be done, honestly. Well, thank you. No problem. Thank, thank you for you having know.
0: me. Yeah, It was a pleasure. Thanks for great. taking the time. We'd like to thank Sajernar for joining us and having a great conversation and for sharing her experiences while traveling. And we want to hear from you guys. What's the craziest experiences you've had while traveling? What's the worst experiences you've had while traveling? We want to know. Shoot us an email at info at boundbythecloak.com. Let us know on Twitter or Instagram. Let us know on our website, boundbythecloak.com. Don't forget to check out Sojourner's blog, sojourneys.com. She provides some great insight
1: of where to eat, what to do in places all across the U.S. and across the world.
0: We'll have the link to the BuzzFeed article that Sojourner was featured in on our website in the show notes.
1: Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and even TikTok. And also check out our website for any episodes that you've missed. Make sure you subscribe.
0: Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bound by the Cloak. Look out for the next episode in two weeks. We'll see you next time.